Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. Finally, college football begins this weekend. Real, live college football games that count, at least kind of. Okay, they actually do count, but I don't think they're circumstantial in any way in college football. It doesn't matter, guys. It's college football. What am I doing? Like, I'm excited about it and bringing it down. Welcome into the live stream. I'm Michael Borky. Glad you guys are with me on this last day before college football season begins. Week zero Tomorrow, Illinois, Nebraska will get us started at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. And the other game that is worth watching anyway, there's five, but there's two that are really of any interest whatsoever. And it's UCLA and Hawaii. So really glad that you guys are with me this morning. Um, I I think you'll appreciate this. I think you'll appreciate this to start. So this is not a football story, but I want to read a story to you guys, if that's okay. I think you'll understand. Uh, This is from ABC, Uh, and the headline is, U.S. Special Operations Vets Carry Out Daring Mission to Save Afghan Allies. This is in response to uh, the attacks yesterday that killed 13 of our service members and dozens others. But this story is unbelievable. Like, I I can't believe that this this happened. This is in a good way. This is unbelievable. Um, Here's a story. When the Taliban growing more violent and adding checkpoints near Kabul's airport, an all-volunteer group of American veterans of the Afghan war launched a final daring mission on Wednesday night, dubbed the Pineapple Express, to shepherd hundreds of at-risk Afghan elite forces and their families to safety. Moving after nightfall in a near-pitch-black darkness and extremely dangerous conditions, the group said it worked unofficially in tandem with the United States military, and the United States Embassy to move people, sometimes one person at a time or in pairs, but rarely more than a small bunch, inside of the wire of the U.S. military-controlled site at the airport. The Pineapple Express's mission was underway Thursday when the attack occurred in Kabul. Two suicide bombers believed to have been ISIS fighters killed at least 13 U.S. service members and wounded 15 other service members. There were Wounded among the Pineapple Express travelers from the blast and members of the group said they were assessing whether unaccounted for Afghans they were helping had been killed. As of Thursday morning, the group said it had brought as many as 500 Afghan special operators, assets, enablers, and their families into the airport in Kabul overnight, handing them over to the protective custody of the United States military. That number added to more than 130 others over the past 10 days who had been smuggled into the airport encircled by Taliban fighters since the capital fell to extremists on August 16th by this task force. Task Force Pineapple is what they're called. An ad hoc group of current and former U.S. special operators, aid workers, intelligence officers, and others with experience in Afghanistan who banded together to save as many allies as they could. Here's a quote, and I'll stop. Dozens of high-risk individuals, families with small children, orphans, and pregnant women were secretly moved through the streets of Kabul throughout the night and up to just seconds before the bomb was detonated 
that was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, a retired Green Beret commander who led the private rescue effort. Uh, here's a photo if you guys want to see it. Um, this is just unbelievable to me. Here's a photo. They blurred out their faces, obviously, but 500 people retired, <laughs> retired veterans, Green Berets, people who aren't in service anymore, have been running secret missions to get people out through the dangerous streets controlled by a terrorist organization. That is unbelievable. Um, incredible people. That, that that those those folks are and operation pineapple express <laughs> well i mean unbelievable so uh, i know that the news has been a tough watch as as you can imagine and it's been been really heavy and, and just horrible but um what incredible people uh carried something like that out that's i just i, I had to share that somewhere i had to share that with somebody uh what a story and what an incredible group of people so anyway, all right, we'll get to uh, we'll get to football. JP says, "Good morning, good Friday morning, Michael. Week zero in a hurricane, fun and zero fun. Yeah, man. Um, the folks in Louisiana, um, they're they're preparing for what could be now a Category three. Um, you know, if you're the praying type, lift some up for the people down there because storm surges up over ten feet possibly and." Boy, that region of the country does not need does not need what's possibly coming. So uh, Zach just has a bunch of dancing emojis. <laughs> love it. That's how I feel, man. Uh, I love it. And uh, says appreciate you sharing it. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, that was from ABC. If you guys want to read it and share it yourself, it was on ABC News. Uh, a bunch of retired special forces and intelligence people, not on active duty or, or anything like that. Um, just couldn't sit back and watch. So they went and did something about it. Unbelievable. Just the selflessness is unbelievable. Good morning, Wayne. Glad to see you. Patrick says, Kiffin lands two four-stars in one week. When do you think he lands his first five-star? Um, th- they're in on a couple. There's a wide receiver that I think they have a puncher's chance at. Um, either way, I, I mean, the the stat that I shared on Twitter yesterday, so they got a commitment yesterday from a guy that Alabama wants, a, a defensive back from Georgia. Um, has a true Alabama offer. Alabama wanted him. It's a massive pickup, and that's a a few days after they pick up, picked up a four-star in-state defensive lineman. But Nick Cole committed to Ole Miss yesterday, and he is their sixth four-star commit in the class. There's only 12 commits in the class right now, so very small. Um this is a conversation for another day, but this kind of stuff is why you don't look at recruiting rankings before the classes are full. Because programs like Vanderbilt, as of two days ago, were ranked ahead of Ole Miss. But Ole Miss has like 10 fewer commits in Vanderbilt, which is why Vanderbilt's ahead. So until all the numbers are there, don't look at how what the class is ranked. Look at what's inside of it. Uh, Ole Miss only has 12 commits, which is why they're down in the 40s. Six of which, though, are four-star players. Last year's class that finished number 17 only had eight. So they have roughly 13 or so more commits left in the class. If two of them, two of the remaining 13 or so, are four stars, 
they will have a top 20 class. That's how good of a start they've gotten in recruiting so far. And uh, it's impressive, man. Uh, I mean, you've got blue chip guys on the offensive line. You've got blue chip guys on the defensive line, uh, multiple defensive backs. Uh, I mean, it's it's an impressive class they're putting together for sure. And yesterday was just a big exclamation point on that. Zach says, I dreamed last night that the state Louisiana Tech game was canceled because of storming. Uh, luckily, this thing will be out of here by then. But yeah, I, I feel you. I, I had... Um, it would have been just so perfect for this year to have COVID and the Delta variant and all that, and then this hurricane come through, which is devastating in its own right, not to make light of what's possibly going to happen in Louisiana, which is potential devastation in some parts. Um, but but to have that come in on the first Saturday of college football would have just been chef's kiss, you know, just perfect for what we've dealt with the last 18 months or so. Uh, by the way, Jameis was named the starter in New Orleans this morning, uh, according to Adam Schefter. You guys know my thoughts on that already. I'm not going to dive into that today. Not the Friday before uh, the first college football season. But yeah, Jameis Winston, uh, starter in New Orleans, knew that was coming. Of course, that was going to be the end result, especially after how he played Monday. But yeah, he's the guy. And uh, can't wait to see. <laughs> Oh man, I have to root for Jameis Winston. I just it's gonna be tough, man. I mean, he seems like he's really cleaned himself up. So I'm rooting for him. I am rooting for him, but man, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be an adventure. It's gonna be an adventure. So week zero gets started tomorrow. There's actually some relatively interesting storylines, and they're mostly focused on hot seats, uh, which isn't ideal, right? Yeah. You know, I don't want to watch games because the biggest storyline is if this coach loses, he gets fired because that means his teams typically aren't particularly good. But that's what we got. You know, it's it's kind of a dull weekend, if we're being honest, but it is the first weekend. So you've got to take what you can get as far as storylines go. Uh, Scott Frost is absolutely on a hot seat, regardless of the NCAA investigation that's currently going on, which, as we talked about last week, it's a bizarre situation there with the video evidence that the NCAA has that, I mean, it read from Brent McMurphy like the school gave it to them. It's a mess. Uh, take that aside, and he's still in a situation where uh, he's got to win and win big this year or else they'll be looking for a new coach. And uh, careful what you wish for, Nebraska, because that's what they've done for a while now. It's not the job it used to be, and they'll figure that out eventually, or maybe they won't. But Scott Frost, I mean, you've got to win. You've got to win right now. It's got to start with this game. At this point in your Nebraska career, you need to be better than Illinois, who's having, you know, a new system installed and all that itself with Brett Bielema. So Scott Frost, hot seat, NCAA investigation. I don't, you know, it's not a must win. Week one's never a must win, but you kind of have to. If you're Scott Frost and you want to keep your job, you you got to kind of have to have this one. And Patrick, I agree with you. And that's storyline number two. Patrick says he should have stayed in Florida. Brett Bielema is another example of that. I think that we've talked about this before some. You know, at the end of the day, money, if there's more money involved, then maybe you can't say no. Um, I would love to have more money than I'm than I currently got. I need, I need it. Um, but I wonder if stories like Scott Frost's and Brett Bielema and you know, Tom Herman, multiple Texas coaches in a row. Uh, I, I wonder if 
some of these guys are, are going to start staying where they are more often, where it's going to be harder to pry them away. Think Billy Napier at Louisiana. Brett Beal was a great example of that. He had an awesome gig at Wisconsin. And, you know, I don't know the intricate details of why he left. Maybe it was something that he just he needed to do. But he he was going to Rose Bowls. I mean, just a solid, stable program, winning football games. He was beloved there at Wisconsin. And he jumped to the SEC at Arkansas, a more difficult place to win than that of Wisconsin, mostly because of who you're playing against, not necessarily your ability to get players and stuff like that. He jumps to Arkansas and it failed. Didn't work. In hindsight, if you're an Arkansas fan, maybe you should have given him more time considering what happened after, but, you know, it failed. It was different. Uh, a lot more difficult, and he got fired, and then he had to kind of screw around for a little while before he could land back on his feet at a lesser job than the one he had at Wisconsin in the same conference. I wonder if other guys are looking at something like Brett Bielema and realizing, you know, I've got something good. I've got something really good. I'm making a lot of money. I'm winning games. Maybe I'll stay. Scott Frost, it's it's a little bit different for him because, you know, he played quarterback at Nebraska. That was his alma mater. It's hard to turn something like that down. But he'd still be the coach at UCF today. He'd be on no hot seat right now. Probably be winning games at an extremely high level, making a killing. My gosh, I mean, UCF, if he was still there, uh, shoot, might even be in the Big 12 already. Um, it would have worked out for him had he stayed, but he didn't. And he took a job that is extremely difficult now. Wasn't back in the 90s when he played, but it's it's a tough job now. And the school apparently is turning over evidence to the NCAA. He should have stayed. In hindsight's always 20-20, but he, he, in hindsight, should have stayed. I wonder if Brett Bielema, being where he is now in his trajectory, and Scott Frost, watching the game this Saturday, maybe some people will sit back and realize, you know, if I've got something good, I don't need to leave. What am I leaving for? Why would I take an extremely difficult job for, yes, it is more money, but it's like an investment. Would you rather make $5 million for three years or $2 million for 10 years. One value ends up being greater than the other. Uh, so anyway, that's that's an interesting storyline this week. In a Scott Frost's hot seat, Brett Bielema's return to the Big Ten. Is that really where he belongs in this league? Um, Nebraska better win. Scott Frost better win this game. Um, should have never left, though, Brett Bielema. Should have never left Wisconsin. Sometimes... Sometimes you've got it good, and you don't need to go somewhere else just for the sake of going somewhere else. And and maybe that'll start manifesting in other coaching cycles moving forward. As guys, you know, I'm fine here. You just fired your coach. I could have the season that he had here, and they wouldn't fire me. But you fired your guy. I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. Expectations are a little bit lower. I'm still winning. I'm making money. I'm good where I'm at. Maybe that will be a trend moving forward. And the other one is UCLA. UCLA, by the way, guys, I didn't know this until this morning. On defense, and I know they weren't a great team last year, but on defense, 
UCLA will start 11 seniors. How's that? They went from the youngest team in college football two years ago to starting 11 seniors on defense this year. 11 of them. That's pretty unheard of. And for whatever it's worth, aside from the fact that, hey, it's just football and you watch it just because that's what it is and why not, you do get to see a, a little a little look in, a little film study of LSU's week one opponent. Speaking of hot seat games, next weekend, Chip Kelly and Ed Orgeron are in something. But you get a look at UCLA. That's at 2.30, by the way, on ESPN. Um, we'll see how they look before they welcome in the Tigers. So that's it. The other games, I mean, you guys may have seen them by now. UConn's at Fresno State. Uh, kickoff temperature, apparently, for that game, it's at noon local time, is 105 degrees. 105 degrees for UConn. Yes, I know it's the summer in Connecticut as well, but it's going to be a different animal for those guys there. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm probably not going to watch it. Um, UTEP at New Mexico State and Southern Utah at San Jose State. So there's your five. There's your five. JP says, depends on the man. Exceptional individuals are always looking for more of a challenge, but I see your point. Sometimes it's best to stay out, especially when things are all good. And back to the conversation from yesterday, like if you're Billy Napier, he's obviously waiting on one job in particular. My guess is LSU, but he's waiting on one job in particular. If playoff expansion happens, though, there isn't a ceiling at these jobs anymore. You can actually build a program into something. Um, so maybe there's a challenge in that uh, right there. Right now, there is a ceiling that, that you can't get through. It is a it's a multi-layered ceiling that they can't get through. But maybe when expansion does happen, hopefully it does, you'll see that phenomenon more because – they can actually turn their programs into something. Zach's asking if I've ever heard of the reverse sheep game on Reddit College Football. It's the Eastern Illinois at Indiana State is my most anticipated Week Zero game. No, I I have no idea um, what you're talking about. Honestly, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so fill me in. I, I don't have a clue. Um, should Ole Miss fear any school getting lane next season if they win nine-plus games? Um, it depends. It, it depends on what job comes open. Uh, I think I, – I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. I, I do think that – I've said this before on here – that 12 of the 14 SEC jobs are top 30 jobs in college football, give or take. Um. I do know that Keith Carter will not let finances be an issue. Uh, and they're going to release that capital campaign of $400 million plus at the end of this season. Um, it depends on what job comes open. Uh, I have a feeling there's a list. Not I have a feeling. I know there's a list of jobs that he would take, that there are better jobs than Ole Miss. There's a handful of them out there, a lot of them. Uh, if they come open, I'd be worried about it. But that's that's a big if. Uh, I think that list is smaller than other people around the country think it is. 
mean, you remember last coaching search cycle, people thought that he would crawl to Tennessee if offered. That was just complete BS, uh, just completely inaccurate in, in all ways. Um, there are jobs that are better than Ole Miss, but the list is not as big as people think, and Ole Miss is going to commit to him financially, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Keith Carter will not let money be an object, and you just hope that you know Miami doesn't come open or something like that. It's a small list, but it is a list. just depends on if they come open. So the reverse sheep game is you get five questions a week for simple things like name a player that will rush for 40 yards a week. And all you have to do is pick a name. Assuming it's right, you get points based on how many other people pick that same person. Lowest total points win. So you're trying to pick correct answers that other people wouldn't think to do. But getting a wrong pick is worth a ton of points. Oh, that's interesting. I'll check that out. That's uh, I've never heard of that. I'll, uh, I'll check that out. We talked about this on the radio show some yesterday. We need to make week zero bigger or eliminate week zero and do the start of the college football season like with everybody else, but make it something. And the, the reason this got, this got brought up is I compared it to the NFL. Uh, I brought up the idea that we need to either make week zero bigger or something because it's the start of the college football season, but it just kind of feels like a bit of a dud. It's like an appetizer, I guess, but just, you know, something basic like mozzarella sticks, you know, not one that blows you away. It's there. You'll eat it, but there's better. College football, to me, needs to do what the NFL does. So the NFL, when Dallas and Tampa Bay get together, uh, one, they've got an Ed Sheeran concert, which that's a bad choice as far as that goes, but they've got a concert going on outside of the stadium or whatever. They'll have... Hours and hours and hours of coverage from the game. It'll feel like an event, like a grand opening of NFL football. College football, to me, needs to do the same thing with Week Zero or, or the first game of the season. Find a way to get two brand names, not Nebraska-Illinois, but like Clemson-Georgia are playing each other in Week run, Week 1. So make that the first game of the college football season. Make that this Thursday night, for example. Just an idea. So forget, just get rid of week zero. And on Thursday night, Clemson, Georgia, in Charlotte, where they're playing at, what is it, Bank of America Stadium or whatever it is, uh, in Charlotte. And you set up college game day outside of the stadium you set up a stage outside of the stadium and have Eric Church or whoever you want, Chris Stapleton, I don't know, somebody that college football people love, and make it an all-day showcase of college football, just like the NFL does. Cowboys, Bucks, Tampa, Ed Sheeran, all coverage all freaking day long outside of the stadium. Do the same thing for college football. Because we'll get college game day next Saturday, and, and you know it'll feel like a regular weekend, but... Do a grand opening because this tomorrow, big noon kickoff with Nebraska and Illinois, that's not how you should introduce yourself. First impressions mean everything, right? They should anyway. Uh, you only get one chance to make a first impression or whatever uh, the expression is. College football should do the same thing every year. 
make the first game a massive deal. Clemson, Georgia, Charlotte, big stage, special edition of College Game Day. Game starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 Central, and you fire up College Game Day at 3 o'clock. And you are right outside of the stadium, and you go all day long with coach interviews and different guests and cut into the concert that's going on every so often and make it a show. Because that's what the NFL will do with their first game. It will be a show, an event, a grand opening. College football doesn't do that. And while it really doesn't make that big of a difference, but tell me how much better that would be than what we're going to get tomorrow. It would be so much better. And what they need to do, start the season later and add the second bye week. Give us 14 weeks of college football instead of 13. Also, the teams will be fresher. But, you know, that's you know, it's going off into the weeds. It needs to be an event. Because right now it's not. Tomorrow, while I'm excited about it, really excited about it, it's a bit of a dud. It's kind of, it's, it's just there. You know, it's just there. You like it, I'll watch it. But it's, it's just there. Do something better. And you'll see in NFL's first game what college football needs to be doing. But hell, we can't even we can't even have agreements on an alliance. Isn't it hilarious, by the way? I didn't get to talk to you guys yesterday. Sorry about that. Something came up. I didn't uh, didn't get to do a live stream. I was disappointed at that. Uh, that the first announcement after the Alliance press conference where we're unified and we got to save college football and big bad ESPN and uh, the SEC and all that stuff, you know, that press conference, the first announcement that came after the, Alli- the Alliance's big ordeal was Southern Cal LSU Vegas on ESPN or ABC. That was the first announcement after the alliance. The first one. The Pac-12 team is going to play an SEC team on ESPN in Las Vegas. That was the first announcement after the alliance became a thing. <laughs> we also got this yesterday from the Conference USA. This is um this is embarrassing. Uh, if you guys listen to me on Wednesday, I said that the Conference USA should uh try to take advantage of everything that's going on, try to attach themselves to the SEC in any way they can, whether it be voting or something like that. This, although it's dated to July 27th, was sent by the commissioner of the Conference USA. And this hit inboxes like yesterday. Quote, dear friends, boosters, and fans of Conference USA institutions, the CUSA is committed to establishing itself as a national leader in intercollegiate athletics with a strong emphasis on sportsmanship and integrity. Just stop with that. Anyway, the conference with the support of the presidents and athletics administrators at all 12 institutions. Um, there, there are 14 institutions. The commissioner got the number of schools wrong. 
has developed an extensive sportsmanship program designed to improve awareness and encourage positive behavior at all athletic events. This letter is to ask for your assistance in this effort. Please help spread the word that Conference USA and its member institutions are known for great teams that conduct themselves in competition with class, dignity, and honor. Your actions, both home and away, are extremely important to the image of your team and your institution. You can have a positive impact on the guests that visit your institution and the experiences of participating student-athletes. I could continue, I guess, but I'm not going to because that's boring me to tears. Um, You know, the, the letter is dated last month, so maybe... You know, this was meant to be sent then, and it just got out yesterday. Uh, Please help us spread the word that we're nice to each other is not the kind of message I would be putting out right now. Uh, Just a bad look. You know, I get it. You know, I get it. Honor, integrity, whatever. That's what college sports are supposed to be about. But it's all about money and power and status, if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, what they need to be doing is not asking their fans to spread the word. What they need to be doing is calling Greg Sankey and saying, please, please, sir, what can we do to help push your agenda forward? Because that's what's best for the Conference USA. Anyway, had to read that to you guys. That that's uh, that was just that was just tough, tough to see yesterday. They got to do better than that. They have got to do better than that. So. For what it's worth, outside of Nebraska, outside of the Nebraska game, all the other week zero FBS games exist because of Hawaii home game scheduling. Really? What do they give people like the week off after playing Hawaii because travel is a pain in the you know what? Um, Hawaii won't have a single fan at any of their home games, possibly all season. By the way. It's a shame because they put a whole lot of money in their on-campus stadium to, uh, you know, host people because the uh, the stadium they usually play in got condemned. It's unusable. So they, they have like a small facility on campus that they've added seats to and stuff. Cost a few million bucks and now they can't even really use it because they're not allowed to have people there. But anyway. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy Enjoy the Week Zero football as much as you can anyway. I will. I'm going to be uh, putting uh, stuffed pork loin on the smoker tomorrow, too. If it's good enough, I'll I'll tweet a picture out. But y'all enjoy yourself this weekend. Uh, try, like me, to stomach rooting for Jameis Winston. I can't wait. Also, I'm scared. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Monday. And Monday starts the real thing. This is just your appetizer. Monday starts the real thing. So y'all have a great weekend. Thank you so much for uh, for being a part. Don't forget... To subscribe to the YouTube channel, by the way. Subscribe on YouTube and uh, actually like the video. Follow on Twitter and Facebook and also wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the Morning or my name, and subscribe there as well. I appreciate you guys. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll talk to you on Monday. I'll have a good weekend. Talk Mississippi Media Production.